630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Third and final hour, 6.30 Inside Sports is on the air. Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins. Reed will be back tomorrow night. I'll be uh, heading to Ottawa tomorrow. Eskimos take on the Red Blacks on Saturday. Eskimos trying to break a two-game losing streak. Oh, look at that. The Red Blacks are trying to do the same thing. They have lost two straight as well. So should be two snarly football teams playing against each other at TD Place in Ottawa on Saturday. 5 o'clock is the kickoff, 3.30 is the pregame show right here on The Voice of the Eskimos, 6.30. Chad Morley, yours truly, and Blake Dermott around as well to uh, bring you that game. So coming up in this hour of the program, uh, next half hour we're going to be joined by Stefan Ritter, who is a uh, national uh, youth cyclist who is pretty darn good, let me tell you. How good is he? Well, I'll tell you how good he is. Uh, He recently uh, won uh, three events at the national championships, the youth national championships, and uh, won an event in the international youth championships in Switzerland. And uh, he's going to the senior level as well. So he's going to be be competing in the uh, uh, senior level. So we're going to talk to him in the uh, next half hour. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, he uh, won the one-kilometer time trial to become a world champion at the World Junior Track Championships and won three events at the Junior Nationals. So uh, we'll see how he does in Senior Nationals. So we'll talk to him uh, about that and uh, his aspirations, uh, how he got into cycling, that and so much more. All right, let's give you a scoreboard update. Toronto Blue Jays leading 3-1 over the Houston Astros. They're in the bottom of the seventh inning. And uh, that is good because the Baltimore Orioles, they won tonight 3-2 over the Texas Rangers, which means Baltimore now has, at the moment, a one-and-a-half game lead on the Blue Jays. And the Jays can knock that back down to one game if they can hang on and beat the Houston Astros. Just getting underway in Seattle, it is the Mariners at home to the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox are two games back of the Baltimore Orioles for top spot in the American League East. So uh, here's the latest word on what's happening in Winnipeg. The game should have been just starting the second half now. But a wicked lightning storm, a tornado warning was issued south of Winnipeg, but it caused major thunderstorms, lightning all around the stadium of Investors Group Field, But uh, the CFL says the teams should return to the field at uh, 8.30. We got some mood music. (laughs) Good job. So, 8.30 is when they're going to get back out onto the field. 15-minute warm-up. 8.45 is the projected kickoff. If you do the time change conversion, Matthew, 9.45 is when this game is going to kick off. 9.45. And Andre Pru is doing the game, so this game could go till Friday. 
Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> this is very interesting why the CFL is even bothering to kick off this game. I mean, it's just too late. It's too late. I mean, it's 10.45 in the East. Your Eastern viewers are gone. Okay, yeah. they're in bed. Um, unless you're on vacation. Kudos to you if you're going to stay up and watch the game. But, I yeah. mean, to me, I don't think they should be playing the game tonight. I think they should be playing it tomorrow. But, again, they probably kids. can't play it tomorrow, right? Because yeah, they got no. other games going on. So No, tomorrow probably wouldn't work. TSM would go, uh-uh, we're not doing the game tomorrow. Yeah. You know, so, it, and then it's when you get that game played, right? When is the stadium available? And, you know, T, I mean, CFL, yes, they they have advanced through the years. And uh, this is a, a league that makes more money, but they still heavily re- rely on gate revenue. So it would be a nightmare for them to change the game or to move the game to some, you know, at some point in the near future. Who knows when that would happen? So um, it's a nightmare for the league, even though it's a nightmare for the teams and it's a nightmare for the fans. You have kids at the game. You're probably, you have to go home. Yep. You have to go home. So it might be a half-empty stadium, which is, you know, I mean, they're not getting very much uh, as far as attendance uh, anyway, I mean, they get about you know nine thousand below capacity, and that's because the team isn't very good. So, you know, that's not good. Uh, oh, by the way, I want to mention this: uh, the Edmonton Prospects are playing right now. Uh, it's the Western Major Baseball League playoffs, and uh, semifinals, I believe. Top of the fifth, Prospects lead the Okotoks Dogs by a score of two-one. And the prospects with a win will win the series and advance to the final. Um, someone's at the game. And he texts in and says this. A prospects player batted in a run, then stole second, third and home on three overthrows, a triple steal. Super. Well, that is super. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, the score is 2-1, the prospects over the uh, Okotoks Dogs. So there you go. Uh, we were talking a lot in the first hour about uh, with Brendan Ulrich, who was uh, very gracious with his time to uh, spend the first hour with me, uh, talking a lot about the Oilers and the fact that Keith Gretzky is now aboard as the assistant general manager. Scott Housen got let go, and Craig McTavish is still around, who... Uh, believe he has one year left on this contract and uh, that's what Brennan was saying so and a lot of talk about well Craig McTavish is still around and even Kevin Lowe is still around and this is from Magic Mike let's not kid ourselves we all know how Oiler fans feel about Kevin Lowe and McTavish still being on board okay uh didn't buy the fact that no one wanted to coach the Oilers other than Kevin Lowe or Craig McTavish or manage them said, right, no one wanted to coach in the NHL. And that, you know, Chris and Phoenix brought that up. Uh, another text says, Lump, from Lumley fan, Lowe did uh, save the team with 39 Oilers, did a, uh, owners, that is, uh, did a fine job, almost won a cup in 2006. Richard says he liked the call from uh, Chris and Phoenix. Says McTavish and Lowe stepped up when we needed them the most, when nobody else wanted to coach and GM the Oilers. He says that's right. Maybe they didn't do the best job, but they got us through some tough times. So, Michael says, putting his stamp on the team. I know this isn't the same, but that line gives me 
a bad reaction reminiscent of McTavish ditching Kruger to bring in his own guys and quote-unquote put his stamp on the team with you-know-who. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Dallas Higgins. So, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. There's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of tough times here. Yes, there have been, but there's a big difference here. There's a big difference. You know, the Oilers have had some good moments in the last you know twenty some odd years. They've made the playoffs. They've had you know the the they had the run in '06 that was great. They had uh, you know a couple of upsets in the first round against the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche in the late 90s, but there's been a lot of first-round exits. There's been a lot of – there's been no playoffs here for 10 years. And you look at who's in the the chair now, he's won. He's won a cup. He's built a cup contender. Did he make mistakes? Sure. But I think there's there's this – there's still a lot of – bad feeling about Craig McTavish and Kevin Lowe. Why are they still around? Well, I don't know, but I don't think they're making the decisions. And from where I sit, that's all that matters to me, Matt. It's all that matters. Well, I agree to you. It's a new regime. They've they've cleaned out the so-called old boys club, like some callers would call in and say that uh, there was still a lot of that going on a couple of years ago. So, I mean, they've done what they needed to do to, to help to improve their relationship with the fans and prove to the fans that they're just about ex-orders running the team. So, I mean, Shirelli's here, Bob Nicholson's here, both great hockey minds. So I don't think this team's going to fail anymore. I think this team is going to finally come out of its, you know, sleeping pattern and start winning. And I'll, I'll replay this. I played this earlier uh, in the show with, uh, with Brendan Ulrich uh, in the first hour. Um, this is what Bob Nicholson had to say today. This was during the announcement of the uh, PBR and Oilers Entertainment Group coming to an agreement on a five-year deal to bring uh, the professional bull riders uh, to Rogers Place. But he was also asked, Bob Nicholson, who is the uh, chair of Oilers Entertainment Group, the hire of Keith Gretzky and what it means. And uh, Peter wouldn't say this, but I can. Um, uh, Keith Gretzky was hired. Uh, he was someone that uh, we talked about right at the beginning. Uh, you know, you have to respect Keith Gretzky was under contract with Boston, was doing a very good job. The opportunity came along. We asked for permission uh, to talk to Keith, and uh, he's now in, you know, in the order uh, uniform. And he's going to be the right-hand person to Peter Shirelli. Uh, you know, Peter feels very comfortable with that, and I, I'm really happy that this is Peter's uh, team now. He's got his whole staff in place, and uh, now we, we're going to move forward with a new arena with, the, you know, Peter's new uh, clear uh, vision of where this team's going to go. So it's Peter's team. It's Peter Shirelli's team now. And, yes, this is the first time that he gets to run the entire hockey operations department. He had someone above him, Cam Neely, in Boston, a texter brings this up and says uh, he won by committee. Neely and O'Connell were there too. True, but Peter Shirelli was also on board making the decisions. It's not like he was asking for permission to make the moves that he made. Did he make some bad moves? Sure. Did he make some good moves? Yeah. He rebuilt that defense core. You know, Zdeno Chara obviously was a big get. 
And unfortunately, there's no Zidane Chara out there. I mean, you look at the Taylor Hall deal, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, when you, when you say it, when you look at it, your knee-jerk reaction is, that's it. You know, I get it. I understand it. But the trade was made to address a need. And unfortunately, it, it came at a high price. But he's trying to address a need. So there you go. Um, we'll see how this, this plays out. This could end horribly as well. But Peter Shirelli has been given the opportunity now to put his stamp on the team. Now he has a management team in place. There you go. So we'll see what happens. But I think Peter Shirelli, Matt, deserves the benefit of the doubt. Oh, he does for sure. I mean, you know, it's not easy to go out and get defensemen these days in the National Hockey League. Either you have to draft them properly or you have to do what he did. He sacrificed didn't watch, didn't say sacrifice, but he had to sacrifice an asset, and he got rid of Taylor Hall to do it. And I think don't think that was an easy decision for him. I don't think, like some fans think, that he just said, oh, okay, fine, I'm going to get rid of Taylor Hall. I think he actually sat there and thought about it for at least a long, long time to say, this is a tough deal, but i got to do this deal to make this hockey club better, and he did. Now, the other thing about the defense is there's two wild cards on the defense this year. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about an orders now today is Oscar Clefbaum and Brandon Davidson. Remember, Clefbaum didn't come back after that injury, had a bit of a staph infection, I believe. And then Brandon Davidson was also injured. Are they going to come back and play at the same level that they did last year before they left? Because if they do, Dave, I think the defense is going to be much more improved this season. Yeah. Much more improved. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, I think I think this defense has taken a step in the right direction. I know there's Oilers fans that were, you know, groaning about Tyson Berry signing four years for the Colorado Avalanche because, you know, the the rumor that a trade could happen with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You know, okay, so it looks like Peter Shirelli is done because that, I think that Tyson Berry signing kind of ended any sort of hopes that Tyson Berry would become an Oiler. If he does become an Oiler, it's not going to happen for at least two years, probably three, if it ever happens. So Peter Shirelli, unless there's a deal that knocks his socks off, which is very unlikely, is going to go to camp with this with this group. So they're bigger up front. They're more intimidating to play against. I like the Lucic signing. The term, you could argue, maybe it's two years too long, one year too long. But I think for a good five, six years of that contract, I think you're going to see a very productive Milan Lucic, who hasn't missed a lot of games. So this is a tougher team to play against. This should be a tougher team as far as their ability to defend their own end. So, And the goaltending, they got Cam Talbot around. They need a quality backup. We'll see what the monster can do in Jonas Gustafsson. That gives uh, Lauren Pessois a, a chance to blossom even more down on the farm. And I thought that's key, you know, and it's the carry prices of the world. They don't come around all the time. And Lauren Pessois is not in that category. Give him another year or two down on the farm and see if he can continue to hone his skills and blossom. I think it's a good move. Uh, Jamie says 2006 cup run. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut now and then. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, it was an unusual year, and it was a year that wasn't expected, but it happened. And clearly the organization misjudged the team that they had, and losing Chris Pronger didn't help either. But anyway, I don't want to rehash that. 
Uh, Yakushev says, Lowe is still around because Gates and him have been friends since childhood. He comes to work, sits at his desk, and says, now what? <laughs> Probably has a little bit more to his job description, but yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from, Yakushev, and I, I tend to agree. So Fans are still ticked off about that whole thing, eh? Like, Lowe gave his, uh, Daryl Cates gave his, you know, his close people their chance, and they didn't do it, so now he's gone with the outsiders, and yep. we'll see what happens. you got to right? give Bob Nicholson some credit here. He said, yeah. look, look, I'm here to, to tell you what I think. If you want to hear what I think, you know, you can listen to me. If you don't, fine. But this is what I think. So if you really want to know what needs to happen, this is what I think. So move started happening. And does it mean that this year upcoming is going to be painful or isn't going to be painful? Is this a playoff team? I don't know. Have they taken steps toward it? On paper, yes. But we know what on paper means. On paper means this. Because it really hasn't mattered. <laughs> they have to do it on the ice. I know we got to take a break here, but I'm just going to say that the orders to me, Dave, are probably the most balanced of a team now I've seen in a long time. they yeah. got more balance to them, I think. Good point. Honest to goodness. I think they got more balance of skill, a little more physicality on the team, and I think the team is much more balanced than what it was in previous seasons, and that's going to help a lot when it comes to hopefully making the playoffs this season. All right. It is uh, coming up to 824. Uh, back with more Inside Sports in a moment. Well, uh, the word is from the CFL. This happened around uh, 10 minutes ago. Players are scheduled to return at 8.30 Edmonton time. And as they said that, more lightning was seen around the stadium. So who knows what's going to happen here. Bombers and Ticats are trying to get underway at Investors Group Field in Winnipeg. News is next. It's Randy Kilburn from the 6.30 Chet 24-hour news center. When we come back, we'll introduce you to... Uh, a young man who is already starting to make inroads on the international cycling scene. He's made a lot of inroads in the national cycling scene on the youth uh, circuit, and now he's uh, knocking on the door on the senior nationals circuit as well. Stefan Ritter is coming up. Back with more Inside Sports in a moment here. Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. Reed's back tomorrow. You're listening to 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight on 6:30 Chad Inside Sports. Read back tomorrow. Uh, updating things down in Winnipeg again. Uh, there's still more lightning strikes around the uh, around the stadium around Investors Group Field, but uh, uh, according to updates on Twitter, they CFL says the game will be played. Tonight, don't know when, I and mean, it's after 9:30 there. So you just wonder how long the CFL can actually have this played. Um, so anyway, but uh, it sounds like the way things are uh, setting up the stadium, uh, sounds like the the where people are kind of setting up. And uh, there's one tweet I read that there was one TSN cameraman that was assuming his position. So that's a good sign. So it looks like that they are going to play the game. So that is excellent. Updating the uh, Blue Jays game. 
uh, as they are chasing down or trying to chase down the Baltimore Orioles for top spot in the American League East. Uh, the Blue Jays with a 3-1 lead over the Houston Astros. That's big because they're one and a half games back of the Orioles right now after the Orioles beat the Texas Rangers by a score of 3-2. Boston Red Sox are two games or I guess two and a half games back now of the uh, Orioles for top spot in the AL East. They're underway against the Seattle Mariners by uh, in the bottom of the second and they are tied at 0-0. Well, I'm very pleased to be joined in studio by Stefan Ritter who is uh, uh, on the uh, world youth stage in cycling and also the uh, national youth stage uh, making uh, a lot of hay there. So, uh, Stefan, if you can come closer to the mic there and uh, hey, welcome to uh, Inside Sports. Yeah, thanks for having me. Congrats on your success. Uh, you won three events at National Juniors and you also uh, just got back from Switzerland, right? For yep. the world track at the International? Yeah. 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 In uh, in Switzerland. Yeah, in Switzerland. Yeah. Only been back for a week, right? Yeah, only a week. So are you adjusted back to the time zone? Yeah, just getting there and getting <laughs> over cold too. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. that's not good. No. I guess that international travel will do that to you, right? Yeah, and better now than before Worlds. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Have you taken a break uh, yeah. right now? Yeah. Yeah, I get a few weeks off before training resumes. You had a pretty good, uh, pretty good run over in uh, in Switzerland as well. Yeah, you you yeah. won one event. Yeah, I won the kilometer time trial, and oh. then yeah, I got fourth in the Kieran and third in the individual sprint. Okay, so let's go through each event here. Yeah, the time trial seems to me pretty straightforward, but yeah. but tell me what what it is. Yeah, so it's one kilometer. Uh, each rider goes by themselves, and it's from a standing start. So they put your bike in a gate, and then when the timer hits zero, you just go and hammer for as hard as you can <laughs> as fast as you can yeah what's the course like is it just is it is it is it the oval or yeah it's, it's on the velodromes yeah okay very good and just go just go yeah <laughs> and the kieran what is the kieran uh so the kieran is um it's a race between six riders mm -hmm. um so at the beginning of each uh heat uh all six riders draw a card and that determines where they start so from one to six and so the race starts out uh, behind a, a derny, uh, basically like an electric uh, pedal bike. Okay. And so the derny takes you up to 50 kilometers per hour. And then with uh, uh, three laps to go, after five laps, uh, the derny pulls off. Three laps to go, it's just an all-out sprint pretty oh much. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds like short, short track speed skating almost. <laughs> Similar kind of, yeah. <laughs> Except you don't want to make contact, right? Cause, no, uh, but sometimes you do end up rubbing shoulders or elbows with guys next to you. That, that sounds yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. Now, is the Kieran a relatively new event on the on the cycling scene? No. No? no? It's been around uh, for quite a while. It actually originated in Japan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That just sounds... <laughs> that sounds crazy, but it also yeah. sounds fun too. So it is. Uh, and you finished third in the match sprint, as you said. Yeah. Match sprint yeah. is. So that's where uh, two riders go head to head in over three laps. It's usually the one where it starts out really slow, a lot of cat and mouse, a lot of tactics involved, right. and then. That's what we see in the Olympics yeah. a lot, right? Yeah. So yeah. very good. That's always yeah. You're right because it just starts off so methodical. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this yeah. is a lot of fun. Then boom! Yeah, just... exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you have, do you get drawn as far as who, who's the, because uh, you got one that's in the lead and you got one that's chasing. Yeah, yeah. So you draw, yeah, there's two cards, one and two. You draw a card and then that determines uh, if you're on, if you start on the bottom or the top. So what's better? Uh, 
To be honest, uh, it, it kind of depends on your riding style and the track. So on a shorter track, it's a lot easier, it's a lot harder to come around a rider at top speed. And it's a lot uh, easier to hold the front. Mm -hmm. Whereas on a longer track where the corners are a lot longer, uh, it's easier to come around. Okay. So yeah. So you said it depends on your tactics and your style. So, yeah. so what's your style? Uh, <laughs> me personally, I'm more of a diesel sprinter, so I can go longer, uh, faster for longer. Whereas other sprinters, they'll have a really explosive jump. Okay. Yeah. So you just, you know, like to put the hammer down, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me personally, I just like to wind it up so that, uh, my opponent can't get that jump on me as much. Okay, mm -hmm. gotcha. What's the popularity of uh, cycling in, in Switzerland and over in Europe? And oh, in Europe it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very popular. Very good. So that must have made it exciting too. I mean, yeah. what was the energy like in the crowd? Uh, the energy was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, there weren't, uh, it wasn't like busting with people, but there were definitely quite a few fans. So that was, that was cool to see. Very good. Yeah. It's a great experience. Then. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, now, you won uh, at Nationals as well. Did you yes. win all three events? Yeah, I did. Very good. Yeah. So, Nationals were where again? Uh, Milton, Ontario. Milton, Ontario. Yeah. Okay. So, this is, uh, this is a lot of fun for you so far. Uh, yeah. Tell me how you got into cycling. What what really attracted you to the sport? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, when I was six years old, I just started mountain biking with my dad. And then I looked into cycling clubs here in Edmonton. And uh, when I was 11, I joined Juventus. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for two years after that, I was uh, part of the Lorianne Munzer program. And so uh, there they introduce you to racing on the velodrome, road racing, mountain bike racing. And so I did that for a few years. And then I joined up with the Juventus Juniors, coached by Tracy Shear. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, yeah, so then I just uh, kept on progressing, racing on the road and mountain bike track and cyclocross as well. And then, uh, then I decided to... Uh, get more into track sprinting specifically. So then I started uh, training with the Argyle Velodrome Racing Association, mm -hmm. and now I'm here today, so. And ripping it up. Yeah. <laughs> Doing a good job. You mentioned the name Lorianne Munzer. Yeah. And of course, that is a well-known name around here yeah. because in 2004, she won the gold medal. Yeah. Um, I, I remember talking to her and talking to her coach at the, yeah. I remember when she won and coach and Lorianne, they were just bleary-eyed but they oh. were very happy to do uh to do interviews and i remember we yeah. had them around i don't know i think it was like six in the morning yeah athens time so i remember that as well yeah. you've met her obviously yeah, yeah. Uh, what big how big of an ambassador has she been and you think in into the sport and oh. specifically in edmonton yeah. oh she's been huge uh to see like uh she'd come out to uh when i was in lamp she'd come out to training sessions and coach us and give us advice and it was just the coolest thing ever yeah What's the what's the biggest piece of advice you think she's ever given you? Uh, Is there more than one? <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few, but definitely just to uh, keep keep going at it and just pursue it to its fullest. Yeah. Okay. So you you tried whole different types of of biking. Yeah. You talked about mountain biking, mm -hmm. road, yeah, uh, cyclocross. You yeah. said. So what really attracted you to going on the velodrome and, and competing in that environment? I think it was just the gift that I have for a great sprint. <laughs> yeah. It's too methodical, the, the, the road racing and the mountain biking? Or? No, like, to be perfectly honest, I loved racing on the road, racing yeah. mountain bike and cyclocross, but I just have, yeah, I have a gift for track sprinting, and so 
yeah. decided to yeah pursue that. Yeah, that it sounds sounds exciting. Too. It is. It is very <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Now, for those that don't know, and even for myself, I mean, I've been in a velodrome I think once mm -hmm. in my life. I went on a field trip and I was in grade nine. Yeah. And I remember them telling us about okay, there's certain things about the bike you can't do. Yeah. Like don't stop pedaling. Yeah. <laughs> right. Explain that. Yeah. So. It's a fixed gear, so if you pedal forwards, you'll go forwards. If you pedal backwards, you'll go backwards. But basically, once you get the bike up to speed and you stop pedaling, you'll just fly over the handlebars. <laughs> How long did it take you? Now, did, did you have a bad experience? No, thankfully not. Oh, good. Yeah, thankfully. Because <laughs> I remember a kid in my class, he just, he forgot. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I go around the corner, yeah. and he's got blood all over his face. Yeah. It was, And you know that was a pretty good reminder. Yeah, Dave, remember, do not <laughs> stop pedaling. Yeah, that's, they always told us that, do not stop pedaling. <laughs> So what's it like uh, in Edmonton? And you mentioned Lorianne Munzer yeah. and that legacy, and uh, you're with the Juventus Club. Yeah. Argyle Velodrome is, is a yeah. place that we have heard of. Yeah. What's the base of or the the uh, the workings of the uh, of the club and of Argyle Velodrome and just the type of coaching you receive and the type yeah. of uh, you know the people you work with. Yeah, so the community around uh, Juventus is absolutely phenomenal. Like, there's so many uh, coaches, so many, uh, just so many people who want to support you through every step. Yeah. Yeah. And your your coach is Alex. Alex. Alex Angaro. Yeah. Who and that's a familiar name. The the last name anyway, because yeah. <laughs> uh, they're they're pretty big in the cycling and soccer community. They are. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, when did you and Alex uh, get together and uh, and start start your uh, your journey? So we actually started training. Uh, together this year I think it was yeah it was right after track nationals mm -hmm. yeah my uh, my previous coach uh, Cameron Jennings he got a spot uh, with uh, Cycling Canada so he moved out to Milton and Alex was able to take his spot here which was absolutely great yeah what do you like about him uh, he has such a huge wealth of knowledge being a past Olympian mm -hmm. and so I can ask him any question and he'll have the answer to it He's been in like so many different situations. He knows what it's like. So wealth of experience, wealth oh, yeah. of knowledge. Yeah, and he's a super nice guy. Uh, super, yeah, super great coach. How does he push you? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he might be listening, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a fair bit of yelling sometimes just to get every <laughs> last bit of power out of me, but... Uh, yeah, it's just uh, when we were er earlier when we were training this year. It's just we wanted to get that top five at Worlds and really do well. So yeah. he always uh, kept that in mind for me. And you did it. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah. cool. And you won one event. Yeah. So yeah. That's awesome. So we're joined by Edmonton's own Stefan Ritter, a uh, a guy who is on the youth. Uh, cycling uh, scene uh, in Canada and also in the world scene as well. Recently returned from Switzerland, uh, won a world championship in the one kilometer time trial, finished fourth in the Kieran, said it right, right? Yep. Okay, yep. third in the uh, in the match sprint. And uh, around the corners, nationals, right? Senior yeah, nationals. Senior nationals, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that step. Oh, that'll, that'll be good. Uh, see where <laughs> I measure up against the elites here in Canada. And any expectation? Ah, uh, I'm hoping to do well. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> top something, or you don't want to put a top on any, or have uh, that kind of expectation? It's always hard to put a, a number on it, but I'm I'm hoping top five. Top five? Yeah, top five for That'd sure. That'd be yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Olympic aspirations? Definitely for Definitely. 2020. Yeah? Yeah, in Tokyo. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, nationals are where? 
Milton, Ontario. It's Milton, Ontario again. Yeah. And that's the base for Cycling Canada. Yeah, that's where they're, uh, yeah, the headquarters are out of now. Look at that. Yeah. I mean, you get to, you already were there for the Youth Nationals. Yeah. So performing in front of, you know, you're at their headquarters. Mm -hmm. What's that like? <laughs> oh, it's super cool. I've, yeah, I've gotten the chance to go and train with the uh, Elite Sprint Squad a few times now. And yeah, super great group of people. Pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, you got some international meets coming up as well. Yeah. Uh, just uh, maybe run through those, what's coming up for you. Yeah. So um, I'm, there's a very good possibility of uh, doing some World Cups in uh, February. Mm -hmm. So I think one's down in Colombia and the other one's in uh, L.A. in okay. the U.S. Yeah. When's the cycling off season? Oh, <laughs> is there ever a cycling off season? Uh, <laughs> probably right after the World Championships. Yeah, I get a little bit of a break and then it's right back at it again. Yeah, not too long of a break, I no. take it. So, uh, what other sports are you interested in? Oh, that's <laughs> quite a few actually. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, before I started racing, I played community soccer for a long time. Okay. Yeah, and then I played uh, volleyball, basketball, badminton with the school like in junior high. Mm -hmm. And then as a family, we'd always go downhill skiing every year. Okay. A lot, yeah. All right. Now, did it those other sports, did it ever get to a real competitive level, or was cycling always the one, always the sport that was the cut above the rest? Uh, they, I think they could have if they wanted to. I really wanted to, like, do downhill ski racing, but that just, it never happened. Soccer, I, I could have gone to club, but mm -hmm. I just had that much more of a passion for cycling. Usually something, yeah. usually one yeah. overshadows the other, right? Yeah. So, well, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So, you're going to be watching the Olympics, I imagine. Oh, every race, yeah. So, tell me how this cycling team stacks up, men and women. Yeah, so uh, Hugo Barrett, the Canadian male sprinter, he's got some good legs. Yeah, he's definitely one to watch in the Kieran's. And then Kate and Monique in the team sprint, I think I have a really good shot at meddling. Good stuff. Yeah, and then the team pursuit women, they... Yeah, they actually won one of the World Cups and finished second at the World Championships, so they'll be ones to watch as well, for sure. So watch the cycling people, yeah. <laughs> you know. Summer Olympics sometimes are hard to navigate. Yeah. We're a Winter Olympic nation, yeah. and to be honest, we're much better at the Winter Olympics than we are at the Summer Olympics. Mm -hmm. But uh, cycling is definitely a sport to watch, right? Yeah. Good stuff. Sure. Stefan, did you cycle here, by the way? No, I okay. didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering because there's a little gray out there, you yeah, know? Yeah, so yeah. Good stuff. It's actually cleared up now. It's nice. Oh, yeah. very good. They need that in Winnipeg so they can get that football game yeah, going. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stefan, nice to meet you. Thank you very yeah. much for coming down tonight. Thanks so much for having me. And congratulations on uh, the recent success at the Internationals and uh, at the at the Youth Nationals and yeah. all the best at Senior Nationals. Yeah, thanks so much. Stefan Ritter from Edmonton, national cyclist, international cyclist, uh, doing this country proud and this city proud, and uh, all the best to him at Senior Nationals. And we'll be watching for Stefan down the road and uh, I think another future guest on Inside Sports. So uh, thank you so much. It is uh, coming up to 11 minutes before 9 o'clock. Back to wrap up 6.30 Chet Inside Sports for Wednesday evening. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30 Chet. Appears to be over at Investors Group Field in Winnipeg. Looks like they're going to play this game. Yes, indeed, the players have have returned to the field after a two and a half hour delay. 
It's almost 10 o'clock in Winnipeg where they're going to finally get this game underway. Man, oh, man. You know, conventional wisdom probably prevails here, and you say, why don't you just play this game another night? But it's so hard because... CFL teams don't own their stadiums. I mean, it's not they're not the primary tenant. A lot of them are city-owned or they're owned by someone else, and it's hard to cut through all the hoops and the red tape and all the things you got to do, the logistical stuff. So, And apparently there's a lot of fans still hanging around Investors Group Field, so it's a good crowd. So they're being very hearty. But there's going to be a lot of bleary eyes working uh, in Winnipeg businesses tomorrow. Uh, speaking of the Olympics... Rio facing a number of challenges as it prepares to host the Summer Olympics. From the Zika scare to the Russian doping scandal at facilities that may or may not be ready for competition, ABC News special contributor Christine Brennan says this city's reputation is on the line. The Games are an extraordinary undertaking. And there are still questions about if Rio is up to the task. Even the head of the International Olympic Committee has called this country a hard place to stage the Games. Jim Ryan, ABC News at the Summer Games in Rio. Yeah, but they're still going to play the games, and there was some uh, action today as uh, Canada opened up the Olympic soccer competition with a dramatic 2-0 win over Australia. Janine Becky and Christine Sinclair had the goals. Becky scoring just 20 seconds in. That's an Olympic record. But more importantly, the Canadians played the final 71 minutes shorthanded after Shalina Zadorsky received a red card. Uh, Canadian Olympic Committee, by the way, they address reporters uh, at uh, Rio today. Tricia Smith is the president of the COC. I want to thank all Canadians for rallying behind Team Canada once again, giving them the support and encouragement they deserve, as Canada did in Montreal, in Calgary, in Vancouver, and all the other games. Our athletes are ready for the fight. The chef de mission, Kurt Harnett, also a cycling medalist in games past, as Team Canada is ready to go. They are here with fire in their hearts and ice in their veins. And it has been such an honor to see them in beast mode over the last few months on the road to Rio. I'm so proud of them all and seeing them perform the way that they have makes me more proud to be Canadian and proud to be a leader of this team. So we'll see how Canada does at the Rio Olympics. Uh, Harnett says Canada, uh, the goal is still a top 12 finish, 19 medals, which would be one more than uh, what the Canadians achieved in London four years ago. This half hour brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. CFL News, Darian Durant, good to go for the Riders. He'll start tomorrow against the Calgary Stampeders. Missed two games recovering from an ankle injury. Matthew, this is sad. Hall of Fame broadcaster Tom Jackson calling it quits after a 29-year career. I know. What are we going to do, uh, Dave? I mean, Berman's hanging it up next year. Like Sunday I'm, mornings are going to stink now. You know what's going to be really sad is when Al Michaels calls it a career. Yeah, that's true. Although they Mike did. Mike Tirico's they, coming in. Exactly. Tirico's my, doing the Thursday night games now. Yeah, and uh, he'll uh, he'll do fine. We know what he can do. Mike is a great broadcaster. I'm not sure about the guy that's taking over for Monday Night Football this year. i got to wait and see how he Sean sounds. Sean McDonough, there's the pass complete. First yeah. down. <laughs> you know. Hey, Although, they still got Gruden. Gruden's still there. So. Gruden's still there. I but Tariko did a great job of taming John Gruden. 
Because yeah. John Gruden had a tendency to, you know, just really just, you know, I'm so excited about this play. Well, that's what he was like as a coach, right? So I think yeah. he had to sort of say, hey, you're not in the, you're not, you're not in the field anymore. You're in the booth, buddy. So so maybe just that, tame it down. Yeah, he'll go back into the, you know, into. I mean, Tariko did a good job of taking him into the level that Gruden is at now. So I imagine, I imagine John Gruden will stay there. Sean McDonough's a pretty smooth guy, but he's, you know, when you, he's not a Mike Tariko, but. Calls a pretty smooth game. He's called a ton of college football games, you know. So, so now what? Do we watch Fox and CBS's pregame show now instead? What's that? Do we watch Fox and CBS's pregame show instead on Sundays? Oh yeah, maybe. With James Brown and uh, <laughs> James Brown and who's the other guy? Kurt Menefee, uh, along yeah. with Jimmy Johnson, Terry Bradshaw. Guess we have to try it, eh? Howie Long. We're, I don't mind that show. We're gonna have to do the scouting on Sunday morning shows because ESPN, that was the most popular show out there as far as football pregame shows are concerned. Well, the best was before they switched it over to NBC Sunday Night Football was NFL Primetime Dave with yeah. him, with Berman and Jackson. I mean, who didn't watch that to watch the wrap-up of the games? Yeah. It was great. Yeah, it's a good point. So, going to be tough. Tom Jackson, who, by the way, is going into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, that it will be his uh, last official duty. <laughs> so, uh, but we're going to miss Tom Jackson on uh, Sunday morning countdown. Chris Berman's retiring, so that's that's tough. Uh, so here's the uh, deal: they're going to play this game. It looks like in Winnipeg, Bombers and the Tie Cats. It's almost ten o'clock in Winnipeg, but they're going to play this game. Just saw a shot of Ken Austin, head coach of the Tie Cats. He looks annoyed and grumpy, like Ken Austin usually looks. So we'll see what happens. Uh, news from the Eskimos today. Uh, Nick Kuhorn pulled off the six-game injury list. The receiver will be good to go for Sunday or Saturday's game in Ottawa. Missed the last two games with a concussion. 5 o'clock kickoff from TD Place in Ottawa. And at 3.30 is the pregame show. Toronto with a win tonight. So they remain one game back of the Baltimore Orioles who beat Texas. So the Jays staying pace as far as their hunt for the AL East crown. Reed Wilkins back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks to Matt Panasiak, studio producer tonight. Have a great night, everyone. Talk to you in Ottawa. Every rose has its 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.